Today, we continue the sermon series that Pastor Brian started on Pentecost. Brian and I wanted to share with you this project of reading scripture from a global perspective. Because as we've talked about, the truth of scripture is infinite. Scripture never ceases. Scripture continues to reveal itself. And something magical happens when we read scripture in community. That community, by the way, is global. When I read scripture with a neighbor that lives somewhere else, I am blessed by what they see because it's not what I see. And if God is that hundred faceted diamond, I'm going to need the help of my siblings in Christ to see more of God. And I need to bring what I see to the table because I'm going to help them too. I think often of the part of scripture that says, when any two are gathered in my name, right? That's church. I think that's why we're here, is to share what we see in scripture and enlighten each other. We are truly greater than the sum of our parts when we do this work. I'm Bree, and Bree's great. But I am nothing compared to what I am when I'm here and when I'm with you. Thanks for having me. So today, we read chapter 3 in the book of Jonah. And I'm going to start off by telling you how I've always read Jonah and how I've preached Jonah. Okay? That's, that's the one hand. And on the other hand, we're going to hear how someone else reads and preaches Jonah. And then I'm going to ask a favor from everyone. Don't choose. We're going to sit in the strangeness of holding two different things where no one's wrong. And let's see what comes through when we can hold two opposites without choosing. Maybe a third higher option? God willing. So, in what we read today of Jonah, we read that the people of Nineveh, who live across the ocean, hear the prophet's words that God is going to smite them down and despite not even being told to repent and being given no instruction on how to repent, they know exactly what to do. They repent so well. And y'all, in ancient Israel, repentance was complicated. This was not a simple say you're sorry. When one repented in ancient Israel, they took off their comfortable clothes. They put on sackcloth, which is kind of like burlap, but a really, really, really rough burlap. It would definitely have made you itch and give you hives, without a doubt. And while you're this uncomfortable, you take ash and you would put it on your face. You would choose to show your uncleanliness, to be honest about where you have been. Not unclean, but ashen. Maybe not as alive as you should have been. You would also have fasted. No food, no water. And not as punishment, but more to say, I rely on you, God, right now. And, and sure, you wouldn't get the comfort that your favorite food might give you 
when you're embarrassed while saying you're sorry. You rely totally on God. Human vulnerability is profound. When you are hungry for food and thirsty for water but don't get it, you might realize that we actually hunger for God's closeness. And what happens when the Ninevites repent? God changes God's mind. This is a bold claim. God, let's say it again, God changes God's mind. We can choose to repent, to own where we have, what the scripture says, own our violence, own it, say we're sorry, fast, choose our hunger for God, and God will change God's mind. This is amazing. Okay, and, and I love the full extent of repentance in Nineveh. One, the king repented. I don't know many kings who repent. It's so often a sign of weakness for any leader to say when they have done wrong. I think there's a lot of apologies our leaders probably owe, but we don't value that as a virtue the way God values that as a virtue. It would be refreshing. So the king repents. Everyone under the king repents. Y'all, the livestock fast. Okay, they're in sackcloth. And if I had to imagine an artist's rendering of what that might look like, Kawena, you want to show us Bessie in sackcloth? That is one sorry cow. <laughs> But sometimes repentance is so extreme that it might seem comical. Maybe the ability to laugh at ourselves puts our ego where it should be. Working for you, but you don't work for it. I work for God. And God is always having to put me in my place. So that's what I've preached. Solid. It's a good sermon. The power of repentance. Bessie and sackcloth. God's mercy never ends. It is everlasting. His mercies are new every day. Mm. So, I engaged Reverend, I want to say it right... And in my nerves, I forgot how to say it. I'm going to look. Sayone Havea. Reverend, Dr. Reverend Havea is a pastor in the Methodist Church of Tonga. So this felt particularly relevant to us here. He preaches a perspective as an islander. Now, Tongans are not the same as Hawaiians. Let's not make that error. But there is something particular about preaching this passage from the perspective of the Ninevites, those across the ocean who received a missionary, someone ready to proclaim God's word. Now what do we see in Jonah? Spoiler alert, Dr. Hevea is not a huge fan of Jonah, okay? 
So, things I did not notice in Jonah that Reverend Hevaeus sees. The narrator of Jonah never mentions what language Jonah speaks when he proclaims the word. This is just like a dominant language group, to never think of language. But now, I see Jonah now walking the streets proclaiming in Hebrew to a people who don't speak Hebrew. He's starting to look a mite maybe foolish. Okay, but I'm, I'm willing to give him that because we learned at Pentecost that the Holy Spirit can translate languages, especially if it's God's will that you understand that word. Okay. But there's no mention of gifts. He doesn't bring items of respect, which for Tongans, you would bring when you're a guest. Okay? Um, it's an enormous city. It's three days walk across, says our scripture. He walks one day in, saying a message in Hebrew, without any gifts. Dr. Hevea isn't buying that the Ninevites instantly repented. He does believe that the Ninevites would have known exactly how to relate to God and that God's wisdom and mercy would absolutely break in to the Ninevites town. That is a fact. But he doesn't think it's because of what Jonah did. In fact, I'm going to go so bold and say, Dr. Hevea rejects this book. He considers it not holy writ. Can you do that? I didn't, I didn't know you could do that. Can we do that? Okay. So first, I want to start off by saying pastors refer to texts like this with a term. We call them texts of terror because some part of the Bible has been used to harm and we as Christians must always be celebrating the goodness of our tradition and reckoning with some of the harm. And when you do those together, healing happens. This is the power and glory of God. Okay. So with these texts of terror, what does it mean for our faith if we choose to reject a book? Dr. Hevea is not alone in rejecting a part of scripture. Has anyone here heard of Howard Thurman? Howard Thurman is an African-American civil rights leader who was also a mystic and a theologian, and it's his work that so largely inspired Dr. King to do the work that he did. And Howard Thurman tells a story that when he was little, reading the Bible to his grandmother. If he got to the book of Paul, she would make him stop. Does anyone know why? The letters of Paul were used to enforce slavery. Parts of scripture were taken out of context and white preachers stood up and used those parts to create oppression and systems of horror. This is the truth. This is what happened. So Mother Thurman said, no, thank you. They skipped over it. It didn't exist. I don't think God would have had a problem with that. 
I admire a faithful Christian's willingness to continue to engage the Bible while being very honest about the parts that have caused harm, being honest with themselves about where they're hurting. Because here's the thing, church, and please hear me now. God wants all of you, every part of who you are. God wants your belief. God wants your fear. God wants your pain. All of you is good to God. I think what scares me, what would scare any pastor is the thought of you withholding a part of yourself from God, as if you could. This book, this is not God. It is God's word, but God is bigger than a book. God made heaven and earth. Okay? This book, I'll tell you now, I'm in love with it because it can handle my questions. It can handle my rejection. Because this is a long story, church. The Christian story is long. It doesn't end because Sione Havea rejected Jonah. In fact, it gives me room to be honest with myself about the parts that have been used to hurt me. I had a professor in seminary share that there's this style of parenting, right? It's attachment parenting. Maybe you've heard of it. Where when you're three-year-old, four-year-old, or teenager, <laughs> the behavior can be similar, sorry, um, whips around and says something horrible to their parents. Like, that's hurtful. I'm not going to say it's not. But it's also kind of a sign that your kids trust you enough to be mad at you. They know you will love them still after they rage at you. I'll try to hold that in my heart the next time my kid loses it on me. <laughs> and on this Father's Day, can all people in this room relate to that feeling? Maybe you railed at your father. Maybe you weren't able to. Your God you can rail at. It is a sign of trust. That's love. That's love. If God only, if I only took the parts of me to God that were pretty and articulate and perfectly planned, could I really trust God to love me? No, it's, it's in my nakedness my vulnerability that I learned that I can trust this awesome force that doesn't take out Nineveh. God's goodness is always greater than your wrath. So bring yourself to church. I also have to acknowledge that 
Havea, writing as a Pacific Islander, does address the mission of the church and responding to that mission as someone who has been harmed by missions. And Dr. Havea is a pastor. So what I'm led to believe is that God's goodness, the power of Jesus Christ broke through for Havea, not because of a missionary, maybe despite one. I can relate on this front. Some of you know, many of you don't, but I'll be vulnerable and say I grew up Unitarian Universalist, a wonderful faith based on questions and curiosity. It's very open, it's very inclusive. And where I grew up in the South, I didn't see very many kind examples of the Christian tradition. And it seemed like my belief in Jesus felt more like a victory for someone else to have like gotten my soul than it was about me knowing a little bit about God's love. And God's spirit broke through for me. When I think of my breakthrough moment, who oh, if I think about it hard enough, this will happen. I feel like it's the only human response when you've seen some of that grace. Sometimes a breakthrough moment shakes the earth. Sometimes there's a series of breakthrough moments, little miracles, things you can't explain. What's yours? If you're hungry or thirsty for one, maybe fast for a day. Keep your ears and eyes open. God's love is always breaking through. May we have the senses to perceive that truth. Please, please, God. So, I'm thinking more about mission. Because one of my, like I said, part of my resistance to the Christian tradition was this idea of mission, and yet it's in the scriptures. And so I just want to state that I am definitely a white lady, definitely standing in a church, preaching the gospel in, on an island. I would be quite the fool not to own that moment. Here's what Dr. Havea says about mission. He suggests that the church changes its mentality from mission to pilgrimage. Let's flesh that out. So instead of me coming to a place and bringing, thinking I bring God, bringing God into the room to tell the people who don't know about God and save your souls, you're welcome. Might I come on a pilgrimage to witness the holiness that is already here. The people are a part of the land. In the book of Genesis, we learn it was God's breath that went into the earth and made every single person. 
If I am here on pilgrimage and I promise I am, thank you to Dr. Havea for giving me this language. If I am here on pilgrimage, then I'm here to learn from you, to see what God is already doing through each one of you, to feel the power of this place. And if I am open enough, I'll feel it. Let me tell you, church, I feel it. My family and I moved to Hawaii because my husband was born here. And at a very young age, his mother moved him far, far away to be closer to a church. This is very painful. It's very painful for some people when they don't realize that God is not confined to the walls of a church. God is in the land of a place and the people of that land. All of creation was redeemed in Jesus Christ. Let's build a church. Let's have a place to worship. Let's do that. But let's not think we brought God. I like to think of a church like a tree. It grows from the land. And we are stewards of the land because we too are made of dust. So we, we moved to Hawaii because we wanted to be closer to my husband's family after his mom died. I'm here to learn about Ohana. I'm here to learn about connection. I'm here to learn about how everything in Hawaii grows. There's so much life. Could you ever be thirsty here? I'm going to stay in this posture of pilgrimage indefinitely. That is my prayer. And I hope that as a church body, as this tree, that we likewise stay in pilgrimage. I want to acknowledge, too, that I, I don't want to just share Dr. Havea's words with you because it's easy to leave thinking maybe Bree said some great things today. I simply repeated much of what Dr. Havea is already doing. So part of being this church, this new, not mission, but pilgrimage church, is that we're a listening church. I would love it if people looked up Dr. Reverend Sione Havea's work because he is part of a new way of being. He's part of this new evolved concept of church that is still very rooted, right? For a tree, we have roots. It's not that it's not traditional. It's just from another perspective. Let's evolve with him. Let's grow. So I'd love to see his name up on the screen because it's hard to pronounce. Is it coming? Nope. Okay. J-I-O-N-E. It's pronounced Sione, but ah, yay. Thank you so much. Ask and it shall be given. Okay. So please, if you have a minute, he's got some riveting things on YouTube. I can't be another white lady quoting a minority and taking credit. Can't do that. So please do look him up. It's good stuff. I want to end today 
by expressing my gratitude for church. We really place too high a price, too high a, a virtue on perfection. We think God is perfect, so only perfect things are good. That's not true. The church is not perfect. The church is good. I like this church, and I like the greater church body. Here's the good news. God can use imperfection all day long. There's a joke we tell in seminary. What is one of the differences between God and humankind? God will use a broken vessel. If I have a broken vessel and I'm trying to carry water in it, the water flows out, I throw the vessel away, maybe I try to, you know, recycle it, hopefully. But I can't use that vessel. God, God will use a broken vessel over and over again. I think the cracks are how the light gets through. So let us celebrate this broken vessel made perfect only because we're together and only when God uses us. We are a broken vessel. Each one of us with our doubt and shame and pain and all the good stuff like love and fathers and mothers, siblings even when they drive you crazy. These are the good things too. And when we bring our whole self, we bring our cracks. From this broken vessel to all of the other broken vessels, I bring this word. God's love always breaks through. Glory be to God. Will you pray with me? Fathering God, on this Father's Day, we pray to be like children. We pray to run to you with our pain and our joy, our celebrations, and maybe our rage. You are a good parent who can hold all of this. And when I bring it to you, I feel your love for me, God. Please let each of us allow ourselves to be used as broken vessels made perfect in your love. Please help the church to realize its cracks, to let your love shine through those cracks, and to become a body of pilgrimage, less perhaps than mission. We celebrate you, God. We celebrate your goodness, and we ask for all of these things. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.